Our reading for today is taken from St. Paul's letter to the congregation at Philippi, the third chapter, beginning with verse 18. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. Please be seated. I don't know if you've ever been in a, on a large, busy street, maybe in a large city where there's a large crowd of people. It's sometimes difficult to make your way through a crowd when everybody is going a different direction from you, when you're trying to walk one way and everybody else is coming the other way. Uh, I've had times when I've been in, in large gatherings like that, one in Minneapolis years ago, and almost couldn't, couldn't make my way. I had to stop once in a while and, until a number of people went past me. St. Paul today is using the, the picture of people walking in life as a way of how they look at life and how they go through life and how different that is from the Christian, from the believer in Christ who wants to love their Savior, appreciates what he's done on the cross for them and know that because of his work we have heaven waiting for us. And so he's describing in this text two different crowds of people, two different groups if you will, and they each have completely different destinations. They have different focuses in life. They have different things that are motivating them and driving them. And because of that, their, their direction in life is going completely opposite from each other. So the one group is the Holy Christian Church, those who love Christ. Their treasure is him, his word, getting to heaven, the things of God's kingdom, caring about that. And the other group, which is much, much larger, is going in quite a different direction from that. And so, as Christians, Paul is trying to point out to us that no matter where you are in the world, as a believer in Christ, you're, you're going against the green. You're, you're moving and walking in a direction and toward a destination that's completely different than the rest of the world around us. And Christians in this world, Paul says, are eagerly waiting for the Savior to return. They have something different on their minds and hearts. Now, that doesn't mean we, we don't care about our earthly lives and vocations and things we have to do as students or future jobs or families, things. Of course we do. But we're still eagerly waiting for the Savior to return. That's, that's one of the components of having faith in Christ. And once you become a part of that church of believers, you suddenly make a break from the rest of the world. From the, there's a difference that is noted. One commentator said, whoever tries to please God, meaning now by faith, will have men as his bitter enemies. Great example of that. Years ago, a young lady who had been on this campus was joined a church that I was serving, and she was working at a print shop in town. And a young man that she was working with would have lunch with her and take breaks together. And just through her casual, gentle conversation, he started getting interested in the Christian faith and started coming to our church and finally took adult instruction, like a confirmation class, to learn about Christianity. 
And I remember talking to him a couple months after he had joined our church, and he was excited now to be a new believer in Christ. And he said, I think I'm going to have to find a different group of friends. And I said, well, why? He said, well, I've got a whole group of friends from college that I would hang out with. And uh, I used to think like them and uh, as far as how they viewed so many different things in the world. But now that I've become a Christian, I just have a whole different way of approaching things. And I've noticed in conversation it gets really hard for me because they're all attacking me now. And I said to him, well, maybe it'd be good to keep your friends as long as you don't feel it's taking you away from Christ. Who knows how God might use your influence on them and your subtle little confession of your Savior as well. The context in front of us, St. Paul is describing those who are enemies of the cross of Christ. And this is so often the case. It's not just that people don't have time for Christianity. They hate it. They oppose it. Unlike other religions, there is a, a fierce opposition to this, to this Christ and his church. And we're moving in a different direction. Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. That's really where we belong. The, the Greek word that he uses to describe our citizenship is the word commonwealth, where someone legally belongs is technically what that means. I've had times when I'm in such a large crowd of people that I, I'm not even touching the ground with my feet. I'm getting moved along. It's kind of a scary feeling. Years ago, at a, a Wisconsin Badger football game, uh, they beat Michigan, one of the biggest top, top ten schools in the nation for football, they beat them on their field, and all the Wisconsin students and fans in the end zone rushed down to jump over the fence and go out and celebrate with their team. And it, uh, 70 rows of seats got condensed down to about 30 rows, and all those students jumped over seats to each other, and ended up crushing about 69 people. No one died, but some came very close. There were about 15 that need to be hospitalized. Sometimes the crowd of unbelievers is so powerful around us, the culture we live in is so strong and oppressing against Christianity that, that we feel like it's, it's just hard for us to stand up. And it's not just on moral issues. That's one of the things we think of first, but it's just the whole view of life, the whole way that we approach life and what's important to us and what matters to us. And we just feel that pressure coming at us in our culture. And sometimes it's very difficult for us to deal with. St. Paul in this text also reminds us what happens to our bodies as Christians. You know, we're, we're dealing with a lot of health issues right now, and because of that, we're maybe a little more conscious of our health. But I know when I was your age, it's easy to kind of think we're just going to keep living on for the longest time. The older you get, maybe you start to see that isn't always the case, especially if you're athletic and things and taking care of your body health in a healthy way. Uh, it's hard, hard for us sometimes to think about the fact that we're actually all slowly dying. That's really what's going on. That's why we're wearing these masks, too. We're just all slowly dying. It may take a while. Someday, however, for those who are faithful in Christ, who are going a different direction, St. Paul says that, that Christ will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Just think how wonderful that is, that our lowly earthly bodies that have to deal with all these health issues are going to be transformed to be like his glorious body after his resurrection 
And now that he's ascended in heaven. Years ago, way long before the time of Christ, the Old Testament priests, Aaron and his sons, were supposed to uh, were supposed to cleanse themselves before they went into the temple. They had to make a sacrifice, they had to take some blood, and they had to put some of it on their earlobe, some of it on their thumb, and some of it on their big toe. Sounds like such a weird thing. But the purpose of it was to show that their very whole body, every extension of their body, from head to toe, had been now sanctified by the blood of Christ. That's what happened to you when you were baptized as well. God claimed your body, not just your soul and your heart and your mind and your conscience. He claimed your body to now belong to him in his kingdom. And through the waters of baptism, he has cleansed your entire body and will now take it and, and transform it after your death to be like Christ's glorious body. One of, the one, of my, one of my favorite lines that I used to read at the gravesite of Christians when I was burying them is this one. May the Lord keep these remains until his coming. May, may, may God have somebody, a pastor, speak those words over your dead body someday at your grave, at your Christian funeral. May the Lord keep these remains until his coming. Listen to what Luther says about this. Think of the honor and the glory Christ's righteousness brings even to our bodies. How can this poor, sinful, miserable, filthy, polluted body become like the one belonging to the Son of God, the Lord of glory? Who are you to bring about this glorious thing? But human power has nothing to do with it. However, another force intervenes, the power of Christ the Lord, who is able to bring all things into subjection to himself. So, it's that Savior who's going to do that with your body someday that right now in your life is leading you in a walk that, granted, is completely against the direction of our culture and all the unbelief in society that's, that's coming against us. But he is the one who alone can walk through the crowd without being touched. And he promises likewise to those who grab hold of his coat and follow him through his word and sacrament that likewise we will not be touched by this wicked culture around us either as we make our way heavenward. Amen.